Welcome to the Web3 Artist Spotlight, the podcast that shines a spotlight on talented artists who are leveraging Web3 technology to sell their art and connect with collectors in new and innovative ways. Through in-depth interviews, we learn more about the artists behind the art and uncover their unique creative processes, inspirations, passions, and the stories behind their captivating artworks. From seasoned professionals to emerging talents, we bring you a diverse range of voices from the Web3 community, and we delve deeper into how blockchain technology, NFTs, and decentralized platforms are revolutionizing the art industry. is a super talented, multidisciplinary artist, an illustrator, photographer, and writer. Shunli's artwork invites viewers to see things from a different perspective and has been showcased in many exhibits worldwide. Shunli's style is influenced by manga and pop culture. This artist has a unique ability to express opinions and commentary through her art, as well as in the Web3 space. And with that, Giancarlo and I are so happy to welcome Shonli to the space. Hi, Jenny. Hey, friend. <laughs> um, you know, it, it's quite uh, a, a weird experience, this one, because here we are. Uh, usually I'm used to this talking like, you know, like a radio show. But here, yeah. okay, um, the listeners should, should notice that there is actually an, a, a video feed as well. <laughs> on uh, studiorestream.io and you know I'm just looking at Giancarlo and Jennifer and Jenny talking to me and it's like wow this is so different <laughs> um, yeah so um, so that's what it's always something new to experience every time I think so um, yeah. thanks for having me here yeah, no, thanks Thanks for being our guest. It's a pleasure to have you. So the way I'd like to maybe start it off, uh, Chun-Li, maybe you can take like five minutes and tell us a little bit more about you, you know, your story, your upbringing, um, how you developed your love for art and how you eventually entered the Web3 space. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> I am... I am pretty old. I, I'm, I sound younger than I am. I, I think uh, because a lot of people think that, you know, I, I'm like this newbie and stuff. But my first published work was in the 1990s. And if I remember correctly, it was a cartoon piece. But I don't remember what it is or uh, who it is for. Because, you know, back then, what we had to do was um, mail, mail the artwork to the publisher. And then we never, ever get to see it again. If they send it back to you, then uh, you're lucky, usually. And so even for photography, which I got into later, uh, same thing. We, we mail in the, the films. We never get to see it back, even though our contracts stipulate that they don't own the films, the negatives, or whatever. They have to send it back. It never happens. It never happens. But, um, yeah, okay, how, how it started. Let's, let's go back. Let's go back to the days when I suppose I was still wearing diapers. Uh, yeah, I, I remember that. <laughs> Because I, um, my, my parents used to live with, uh, with my uncle and my aunt. And um, there, was an older, there is an older cousin, a few years older than me. And he was a manga freak. You know, he, he drew, he drew, he drew, he drew, he drew a lot on his textbooks and all that. And uh, I remember always, he always got, got caned by his parents because he just didn't, didn't uh, do his homework. But he just drew and drew, and that's where and who I learned from. And of course, um, after a while, he, he taught me. He taught me how to draw. 
but I also found his stacks of uh, comic books and I know manga and whatever, and I copied from those as well. And so yeah, it's been years of this drawing and drawing those stuff. And um, he's the last time I heard from he he moved to Shanghai, moved to Shanghai from wherever I am. Um, I can't really reveal where I am exactly for uh, for some some reasons which you will find later. No, that's fine. That's okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I, and I love in the so we do have like a I, I put up this like um, page of a magazine that you had uploaded here on our on our stream and it says where am I from everywhere. <laughs> yeah, because actually we are from everywhere, especially you know we can do shows anywhere, everywhere, and nobody really cares unless you really are that you know uh, uh what would you call it that loyal to your flag or, or whatever but i think we are living in a global village right now so uh let's just have fun and enjoy this before the uh old school nationalists take over again and split us up and uh bring another round of world war because it feels <laughs> like that right now unfortunately but okay anyway my uh my my villain origin story. <laughs> Let's put it this way. Uh, okay, I learned from him, blah, blah, blah. You know, just kept drawing. So I took up after him. I drew in my textbooks as well. And uh, yeah, so this, this is years of that. And then it led up to the um, the publishing, the, the cartoons and stuff. And then I went to architecture after that. Imagine, I had to unlearn everything I learned on my own to uh, to do architecture. And but what that was, it 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 taught me how to be more disciplined in approaching things, into looking at things a different way. And then I found uh, I got into it, but I found a lot of corruption, a lot of uh, you know, basically the whole the whole scene, the whole movement, the 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 whole thing just forgot about. We are not just humans who who want to make nice looking shelters, nice looking spaces, and all that. We are actually very much part of this whole world. We are one of the creatures of this world, and we are not taking care of it. So I thought, fuck this shit. Um, I have already been um, losing myself into the uh, the dark room a lot at the time anyway. So I thought, okay, I'll be shooting a lot. Might as well just take my camera and go expose all these all these things that's going on in architecture. So I spent two years doing that. Uh, you know, just going to the jungles just to show, um, photograph deforestation um, to to track down um, the the migration of of workers who are you know not really getting the fair share and you know, mistreated the staffs and stuff like that. Uh, but then after two years, okay, my parents at the time was, why don't you get a job? Why are you just leeching office? You know, but you know the Asians, so we don't you don't kick you out. But you know, two years of that, and then. Uh, Nobody wanted to publish it because what I found out was a little bit of research. I, I was too naive. What I found out was um, mm. all these magazines, publications, they rely on money from uh, developers, you know, um, real estate and all that. So, of course, they won't want to run a story like this because it threatens their, their ad money. But anyway, uh, I found a small uh, indie mag who, who looked at it and said, we have to run this. They did. Circulation was, was shit. But, you know, it got me started uh, as a photographer. And from there, I accidentally became an editorial and fashion photographer, which led to commercial work. And so I think I spent, I can't remember how long I've been in there, but uh, it's, it's a long time. So it was long enough for my magazine covers to uh, win uh, 
gold medals, you know, honorary mentions and silver, all the colors of whatever medals they have at international conferences. Wow. Yeah. I didn't win. The, the work won. I always say it's the work because, you know, when it comes to it, it's always the team. And um, and then I, I burned out, I think, I burned out a few times. And the last time I burned out, uh, it took me a few years to, to, to finally think, okay, I'm ready. I want to come back. But when I was ready to come back, the pandemic came and lockdowns came. And I was bloody broke. I was bloody broke. Luckily, yeah, I have someone to rely on a bit, but that's not a nice thing to do, isn't it? So uh, some friends, they remembered that I drew uh, when I was younger and they thought, okay, uh, I can connect you to this DeFi platform. They, they need someone to do their memes, some cartoons and stuff. Why don't you do something for them? So I be connected and then I realized I have no fucking clue. Sorry for the other experience. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> we have to uh, be, be quite um, yeah, foul mouth to, to get the, the guys to listen sometimes. Sorry, um, I'll, I'll try not to. Um, okay, what was that? It's all good. It's all good. DeFi. Express yourself in whatever way you want. So. <laughs> uh, the DeFi platforms, they, um, yeah, oh, crypto and all that. I didn't understand a single thing. What's this? You know, because I didn't have any interest in stock markets and stuff like that. So, this itself is like it's like an even extreme a more extreme version of that so i took a few months just to look through to understand it to see what the culture is this dude want to draw some cartoons right and i still didn't quite get it then someone said okay why don't you just do some nfts and i thought ah what what's that and so yeah i didn't know what it was and at the time i was i was actually baking a lot baking a lot, uh, doing food stuff, you know. Uh, and so I thought, okay, I love my comic books. I love my pop culture. And so I did the genesis um, called Pop Culture Consumption, which basically is this all these famous characters. And I call them cost, cosplayers, you know, because they're all too fat, too thin, too um, wrong shape, out of shape. And uh, they're just consuming something. And so that was my genesis. And so, yeah, that's how I got started. And the first people who bought the artworks were, of course, my friends in real life. And I thought, wow, this, this is not bad. I mean, okay, I'm selling stuff for cheaper than what I can earn in my photography, but this is fun. I can actually finally do whatever I want without caring for any commercial rules and laws. Mm. did it. And um, then I realized I still didn't understand the, the DJ, the crypto bros, the culture. I had no community actually, and so when I start, I found um, spaces. I join in. That's when I realized nobody gives a damn who you are, what you are, who you were. You know, so I was just a nobody, and that actually refreshed me. It made me feel like I was twenty, twenty-one again. You know, and when I had to start all this, uh, the whole thing again, and except it feels like a bit like a cheat. You know, because it's like you die in a game. You get the restart, right? Yeah, it's a bit like that, except I've got 20 years of experience under my belt doing this. So it's a bit of a cheat. So yeah, that's that's how I stumbled into uh, Battery. Wow, no, really, really cool story. <laughs> and it's interesting that you went, so you did like um, architecture and then photography, and then eventually then kind of came into, you know, creating, you know, artwork into the, in the NFT space. And you did mention that like your early influences, and I know Jenny also talked on this as well in the introduction, but that you mentioned that there was a lot of influence 
from manga and comic books. I was curious, are, were there any specific ones that you felt like influenced you more um, of the ones that like really got you to be more passionate about creating art? Well, um, let's, let's put it like this. Um, at the time when I got interested in comic books again, it was in the 19... 19- no, before that, I was always browsing through them, you know, uh, because that's how I learned to draw. And and so when mm-hmm. uh, when was this ninety one ninety two, the comic book, the time when all these people were dumping their money into it because they think that they can buy the next Superman number one, right? Remember when everyone mm-hmm. the first issues or the special whatever editions and all that. Um, so mm-hmm. But I was in for the art, but so my friends they were in for the flip, which is exactly what we saw in this. Uh, NFT spaces. Mm-hmm. And so at a, even at the time, I think it was end 2021, I was telling people, this is exactly like the comic book bubble. You guys are all going to lose your money. And they told me to fuck off. <laughs> well, a lot of them actually lost <laughs> by, you know, flipping and they just, I don't know, just keep buying shit that they think they can sell to the next, the next person. But if you're buying to a 10K project and everyone has got a more or less the same looking thing, who's going to buy from you? You know, so yeah, people just got greedy, and so I saw the whole thing like the the comic book boom happening all over again. So yeah, guys, buy the art, don't buy the flip. Um, you know, <laughs> but anyway. Um, I like that quote: "Buy the art, don't buy the flip." <laughs> yeah, that's awesome advice. Um, you mentioned that your art will either make someone smile or challenge their perceptions. Can you share with us what are some of those established beliefs or ideas that you would like for others to see differently? Um, st- okay, established ideas. Okay, wait, wait, hold on, hold on. Um, let me think through this. Okay, um, make you smile. Okay, because a lot of the things I, I, I do is I lampoon things. Um, you know, when let's say uh, politicians say stupid things, I lampoon them. Or when someone does Something, you know, um, I, I make an artwork or even a photograph or, or some artwork, you know, to take a piss. And so, yeah, that, that will either make you smile or, or if you have not thought about things in that way before, a challenge how you see things, I guess. You know, so even the artworks I am, I've put up on the Jumbotron right there. Um, if you look through them, okay, these are more of the serious ones, but... Um, panel with all the artworks with the stuff on object those are the you know if you look at that there is one okay it's a bit hard to go through it this way but let's just put it this way okay i was just talking about why i cannot uh, disclose my location and how i actually look like and all that so some of you have got a clue already okay so why it is is because you know earlier this year i put up an artwork uh, in Hong Kong, at the during the art week, that was about the uh, the dilemma of Hong Kong. But how I managed to get it up there was by not stating what that artwork is actually about. I left it quite open ended in a way because it's quite cute. They look at them it's like, okay, these rabbits looking like they're about to, to drown in the water and they're swimming, you know, stuff like that. There's a giant rubber duck, you know, things like that. So if you are not um, so well worse about uh, the little nuances of, of South, South Chinese uh, culture and history. You probably won't get it. So 
that's why when I was telling the organizer, uh, okay, this, this artwork is really just for the people of Hong Kong. And that's the part, this is the only part that I, I, I didn't lie about. No, I didn't lie about anything when I showed this to get it approved. Because, you know, um, I was updating them uh, all the artwork. I was telling them about the fantasy elements, how the portal, you know, um, is, is shaped after the um, the one in, uh, in Spatial. And this artwork itself is called Follow the Black Rabbit to the Far End of the Metaverse. And um, coincidentally, this is the year of the rabbit in the Chinese lunar calendar, and it is the year of the black rabbit. So a lot of things just kind of like fell in place, uh, fell into place. But the real story is, um, which I only reviewed on the final day of the art week, was that this is about dilemma of Hong Kong, and if you look at the um, the rabbits there, they are the people who swam across the sea to escape the uh, Great Leap Forward. To escape the um, the cultural revolution and basically famine, you know, because all these fancy labels, people don't really care about them when you're there. My grand aunt was one of them who swam across that sea with her village of friends. And I don't think that I, it, it, this, when I was young and heard it, it's like this unreal, you know, because she said that um, she lost people swimming with her to the sharks. And I thought, yeah, okay, it's, it's a bit much, isn't it? This what sharks in water get nuts, but you know, as, as I get older, I, I I do a bit more research about how other people swam across that part of the sea because it's unguarded. And why it's unguarded is because that part of the the sea uh, between the mainland and uh, Hong Kong is is this infested with sharks, and that's why the uh, the bodyguards they never bother to 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 guard it because you know people probably die going through that. Uh, and so, yeah, so just little things, you know, like that. And it's a bit like, you know, it's a game as well. When, when people reach there, after they swam across there, they still have to evade the, uh, the, the Hong Kong police, bodyguards and all that. Because the, the rule of the game is you have to reach the urban center of Hong Kong to, um, to get the amnesty. So what the fuck, right? You survive <laughs> the swim. You don't drown, you get eaten by sharks. You survive that. You still have to play the game of hide-and-seek with the police and get to an urban center, touch touch concrete and say, oh, I've made it. So you, you get a lot of recounting like that. And a lot of people don't remember this, uh, except the Hong Kongers, because they are really a place uh, made up of, of migrants from all around China. Even even Europeans or Westerners who went there, went to seek fortune through the, uh, the Anglo lands, because they could be French, they could be Spanish or whatever. But, you know, it's a, it's a very mixed cultural uh, pot right there. So it's not just very Cantonese, despite it being a Cantonese place, you get Shanghainese there, you get all these other different people there. And so, yeah, that's what made Hong Kong uh, like that. So a lot of these migrants, some of them became uh, successful millionaires, uh, magnets, you know, uh, tycoons. But a lot of them didn't. Uh, like my, my relatives, they just ended up um, in... Uh, flats provided by the government after a lot of protests. The British government didn't really give a fuck, you know, at the time. Um, so a lot of people lived in squatters for a long time. So there was always protests in Hong Kong. And so, yeah, so anyway, anyway, um, in in the last few years, not last few years, let's go back to 1997 first, when the British handed over Hong Kong back to China, um, the, the agreement was Hong Kong would have their own little autonomy for 50 years, you know, let the, uh, that generation, uh, I don't know, die off forever, you know, just, just live on the last years or whatever. 
And uh, then China will take over with whatever rules they want to impose. And then uh, 25 years in, they crush the government of Hong Kong. And uh, yeah, they, they just say, fuck this shit. And that's why we, we, you know, we saw so much protest going on over there. And, and that's why this, this artwork. And so, yeah, that, this is the whole this perception thing. So it challenges that. And so when, I, I don't know, the, the problem with this artwork is as well, because I, I left it so open-ended visually. Um, the, the pro-communist people thought that I was provoking them on the issue of Taiwan. Uh, because that itself is is an even worse thing. That's that's uh, to to the um, to to Beijing than anything else. But anyway, this is a very political thing, and uh, yeah, this is this one thing. And then after that, uh, this recently I released another artwork about the Tiananmen Square massacre. Because you know, um, people outside of Beijing in 1989 didn't know a thing about this, unless it's people who were there. They escaped. They ran away from Beijing back to their hometowns, villages, and talked about it. And that's how, um, you know, some people knew about what's happened, but they're not very clear. So entire generations have had their memories removed about this whole Tiananmen Square massacre. And, and that's why when we see youths from China going out of, uh, of China to, to study elsewhere, and when they see this picture of the tank man, they always get very shocked. Or see other pictures of dead bodies lying in Tiananmen Square, they get very shocked. So what, what's this? When did this happen? You know, just like so we can count eighty-nine to now, that's probably like two generations of people with their history altered. You know, it's just things like this, and that's why I, I always take a piece on it. And that's why I did this artwork uh, called this another sunny day in June. And uh, you know, this basically took on our Beijing stance that it never happened, and I represent that with uh, like a green screen kind of thing with the tanks erased, but you can always see cracks, right? When there's cover up. You always see cracks, always, because there's no way you can always cover up uh, the truth of what happened, because the whole world knows about it. And so I thought, okay, green screens, uh, no matter how well done, you cannot prop it up um, in, in a place like that. So I put in teddy bears in the shape of Winnie the Pooh to prop them up. And, you know, they have green screen uh, outlines. And uh, those of you who don't know what this reference is, it's um, Winnie the Pooh is banned in China. And why that is, is because some people used Winnie the Pooh as the um, code name for Xi Jinping, for the, the, that president, uh, who uh, has in recent years killed off all his rivals to become the uh, forever leader. So yeah, this is another dictator right there, sitting up right now. So yeah, you always have to remind people about uh -huh. shit like this. And that's why this, this whole thing is done. Um, anyway, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if that answered you about that, um, about the story. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. And I think the way that you blend it with your particular style is really remarkable because like, I was just thinking of like Guernica and Picasso, you know, like that's a noticeably like heavy piece, right? So when you look at it, you get that it's political commentary but you're not, you're not getting, um, like any sort of like softness to it or another layer to it. And with your art, like at first glance, unless you really like look and understand, you're not going to get it. So I love that you <clears throat> basically are giving folks like 
two pieces of artwork. The surface one that, you know, is aesthetically pleasing and, and beautiful and has those elements of the pop culture and the manga, but then the mm -hmm. other significance and that you're able then to do that and spread that message in areas that aren't necessarily welcoming to that art. I think it's, it's really brilliant um, how you present it. So kudos to you. Yeah, thank you about that. Um, but anyway, I don't just do political stuff as well. Um, you know, when, when I started to immerse myself into this Web3 culture, I saw a lot of things that would not have been well accepted in, uh, out, out there. You know, a lot of cult building, mm -hmm. personality cults. We saw so many of this. And um, so, and at the same time, I also realized that my perception of reality was changing. You know, because before this, I wouldn't understand a single thing about, you know, all the terms about uh, wet me, uh, LFG, and, and, mm -hmm. and GM, GM. I didn't, I was like, GM, GM. Yeah, GM, GM, right? <laughs> I mean, not, you know, you say GM, in, you shout it out in a public space, you probably get a few people shouting it back. And <laughs> in any place you shout it out. They probably shout back something else, probably. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so so uh, I started drawing about that experience, um, which led up uh, to, you know, because at the time, I think what, what it was was a lot of uh, shield spaces, you know, make you wait for 12 hours before your time. Yeah, I think, yeah, you guys remember this. So, yeah, so I took those, those time to draw about that, you know, about, about sleeping, about, uh, hallucinations and that and when that that run i think i did 20 of those when that ended i started doing the current ones uh in the foundation series i didn't have a name for it i just thought okay this is something going on there's a lot of things about feeling going on there there's a lot about um our perception changing our identity changing because so who, who's talking to you right now i don't know because it seems like i've turned into this other version of of me you know another chunli which didn't exist uh, before i wouldn't have talked so freely before um in my country if i talk freely about things i would be in trouble uh, very often i'll be in trouble but right now this this like this because it's like i put up a superhero mask and i'm saying whatever you know i just say things as they are i don't care um and so I use the same thing to confront a lot of the bullshit here. I just say it as they are, so I get blocked by a lot of people too. But, you know, I uh, hope that will help people, other people from becoming their victims and all that. Then you see, yeah, so you see drawings. Uh, I use cyberpunk. I use it because um, it's not just, because it looks cool. All the wires and all, it, it, it's more, yeah, it's, it's better looking than wireless technologies. I mean, it's, if you draw stuff up today, everything looks so small. You know, um, there's there are no wires. You don't know what's going on. Uh, if I want to draw someone being brainwashed, you can't draw it without wires. You have to include that. So I use that. Uh, so there's, um, I don't know, um, I don't know which one you're looking at right now, but a lot of those artworks with all these cables and stuff, I use, uh, you know, basically it's about brainwashing, about how you are molded into another consumer, you know, things like that. So I've been exploring this and doing this for a year plus. And then... Um, earlier this year, I was connected to uh, someone who's in charge of gatekeeping for the 14th Florence Biennale. Yeah, because I think someone really liked my work and thought, okay, I think you must try this, um, this, 
I'll connect you to this curator because uh, you know this this middleman knows this this curator and say okay this presenter. So I, I use this um, portfolio and I showed it to the guy. Um, or rather, I didn't meet in person because we are um, in different global places, right? So he, he saw it and he rejected it straight away, saying that it's not good enough for Florence, forget about it and all. Um, and I thought, okay, this guy probably doesn't understand this whole thing um, because it's he just looks at it from a very surface level. It's very comic book. So he's probably thinking Renaissance. He doesn't want to see too, mm -hmm. uh, not too far away from that. Anyway, I did a bit of research and I found a way to send it into the main jury. And uh, what happened was I, I just thought, okay, I want to get the uh, the rejection letter because you know they're fun to collect, right? Sometimes, uh, except it didn't come until um, end of May. Or was it last week of May when their email came saying that um, congratulations, you're one of the ten finalists of the open call competition. And I was like, what? Wait a minute, is this a prank? What's going on? So anyway, that whole portfolio actually fit the yeah, theme, which is called I Am You, which is an exploration of identities. So my artwork about identities, um, this, this resonated with them. So again, when your work, no matter how they look like, as long as they have a, a strong narrative in them, uh, they, they make it, um, stronger somewhat so don't just do styles people you have to tell a story and that's how i, I do a lot of my work uh it's always a thought you know um not so much about how it's going to look like because i don't know yet so i'll write it down maybe this is my training as uh doing architecture before and then doing uh photography because a lot of times you you have an idea it's always in, in the form of a short story right a line a few words a couple of words and that's how a lot of my my artworks are sometimes they are a very long title like uh, like, follow, retweet, obey. That's the first one I did in this series. Mm -hmm. And uh, this one got exhibited in a lot of places around the world. And yeah, so anyway, there's some shortness, uh, type of shortness, comply. Uh, so things like that, or beautify. So anyway, this, this portfolio um, got into the, uh, the Florence Biennale and in the contest. And they didn't know that it's on a blockchain. So in a way, I think what's happening here is we are changing the perception of our NFTs on urban blockchain for these traditional people. Mm -hmm. And I think this is going to be uh, something really good. Because, you know, because you should, before this, they always spat on it, right? It's like, oh, this is a scam. What's this? You don't understand because it's like witch burning. People don't understand it. They, they reject you. They, they hunt you down and say, no, no. Because I shared this news with another art community that uh, didn't like blockchain stuff. I said, okay, look, Florence Biennale, um, Top 10, you know, basically it is top 10 and it's out on the blockchain. Look, if things are changing now, a renaissance is really happening, a digital renaissance is really happening. And I got kicked out from that group. Bam. Rejected, cancelled. So yeah, so there are people like that who refuse to understand. But, you know, it's, it's our, our um, I don't know, responsibility, is that the word? As artists to bring about a message of change if we can. No matter what it is, it can be something like, I don't know, very broad, like, oh, yes, yeah, change the uh, uh, politics of the world. It can be yeah, very, very ambitious mm -hmm. in that way. Or it can be something really small, so, you know, like, let's change perceived kindness or whatever. And so it just happened that I think I accidentally am doing, oh, uh, let's change the perception of our NFTs for uh, mainstream. That's awesome. <laughs> so anyway. That's so cool. And uh, <laughs> I love that. And, and 
and and it's and it's so cool. I mean, it's awesome. Like, and congrats that you know you were able to. I love that you actually went around that person and was like, all right, I'm gonna get it to the panel, and you found a way to get your art, you know, your art viewed by by those people, and and that you know something that's now being created as NFT art, you know, is is there amongst all this other you know classical art as well. So that's that's so awesome. And um, one of the things I, I kind of following along the, the the topic you were mentioning about, you know, the what your your intentions are with the art and the, and the message and the story. I know I also read in um, an interview you did for Polygon Alliance that. Um, although your art, you don't have like a particular like manifesto or something driving your art, but that you also did have an intention to break like social and gender divides. And I was curious if you could tell us a little bit more about that intention and why it matters to you. Well, um, you know, like I say, uh, <laughs> it's like an alter ego thing. So, okay, what what happened was uh, when I got into space, nobody cared about who I was, what I did before, even though I. Uh, no, I went to, let's say, photography spaces. Uh, and I was just listening to a lot of people who really didn't know what the hell we were talking about, you know, when it comes to the technique, when it comes to the art itself. So I, I always tried to to share, but they didn't care. It is, mm-hmm. And I found that they were all, like, you know, talking about Instagram, like how people on Twitter didn't care about them. And, you know, they didn't like the selfies. Oh, I'm sorry, uh, they, uh, but yeah. Anyway, but that was then. And then uh, my device started acting up, you know, always heated up. Uh, it shuts down when I run spaces. And so I stopped going to spaces for a few months. And in that time, there was this whole perception thing going on. People thought that uh, I was a guy, you know, or a woman or whatever. Okay, I would, uh, and, and whatever. It, it's just, it was so strange. So I started playing along with it. And going, okay, if, if uh, these people think I'm a guy, because it's all in written form, right? I'll, I'll play the guy. I'll be the Cohen. If they want me to be Cohen, I'll be Cohen. Mm-hmm. Some people thought that, oh, it's the girly girl. Then I'll be the Chloe. You know, so when I, um, someone told me um, a few months later, oh, you can actually go onto Spaces using an emulator, Android emulator on your PC. Oh, I can't remember who the guy is, but I am... <laughs> I forgot to write. I mean, I don't know. There are just so, so many people in my following. Now, I've lost the guy. I feel so sorry because I really owe him a lot for introducing me to emulators. So the first space I went into, I, um, I just opened my mouth and they all went, wait, what? You're a girl? <laughs> so yeah, I should have used a more um, neutral voice, I guess. Uh, but, you know, at the time, what I managed to do was... Um, I, I hope I managed to do anyway, just to break down a bit of um, of barriers of, of the gaps between this. Mm-hmm. And that's why right now I, I, I just tell people that I am a, a, a robot without gender, yon gender. And this, this thing mm-hmm. actually works if you speak Cantonese or you speak uh, any of the Malay languages in, uh, in Southeast Asia, because um, the pronoun for he and she and they are the same words. So there's no he, no she. It's mm-hmm. just the same word, you know. And I was, I was thinking in in one of those languages when I thought this idea. I was like, oh wow, this is great. And someone asked me, so am I supposed to call you a he or she right now? Now, oh shit, it doesn't work in English. <laughs> so yeah, this was always a uh, joke about this. Oh, there's an, a limitation in the English language, a real limitation because we all have to be categorized so neatly into boxes, which is great for science. Yes, it is, mm. but then sometimes we want to do things based on merit of what we can do rather than uh, because mm-hmm. of what we are. 
So a lot of times I get invited to, uh, you know, all these women's, whatever, this and that. And I always thought, no, I, I want to get away from this. Let's, you know, I, let's not have crutches anymore for whatever race you are, for whatever gender you are, or whether you are, have no legs, no arms. Or, we try to make it level without thinking that way, because this is this a bigotry in another way. You know, it's just so condescending a lot of times when people talk about your so-called disability. Oh, we are disabled in a way because you're a woman. You know, the kind of things like, what the fuck? Can we go beyond that right now? And that's what I've been trying to do with this space so far. Uh, except, of course, uh, you know, after a while, I just got so embroiled in this, in this culture here. I just got lost. I got lost and I lost direction in that. So, yeah. So um, in that interview, it was very nice when I said all that. You know, I still hope to get there. Uh, but I have to say I have failed, I have failed in that task in this task, to uh, break down gender roles. I think um, we need more people to try this, to do this. So, but, you know, I think I, I managed to break down social barriers in a way. Because last year, remember NFT NMC last year, it was very gatekept. A lot of people couldn't get in. Only very select circles mm-hmm. got in. So uh, I, I and some people thought, out, why don't we do an opfest? And we did this like, I don't know, a day before NFT NYC was going to start. And I just started a special thing called Off NFT NYC. And, and I, I tweeted out and I said, oh, just share your stuff here, whatever. You know, um, the floor is open. I'll just curate it from whatever you guys share. And it filled up within a day. And so I, I, I opened up another level, another level, another level. And in the end, uh, there were like at its peak 400 artists. From everywhere, you know. Then I, start, I also, of course, look for people I know uh, in regions that do not have power, uh, they couldn't really get internet access most of the time, and that's why they, they have great art, but they cannot join shows. And so we had um, artists from villages in, in Kenya. We have people from, uh, I think, Lebanon. Uh, Lebanon has got, uh, what's his name, Ginger Potter, who is really good at it, but Apparently, what's going on there is as well is uh, they only have ten hours of power every day, and that's why a lot of them couldn't access a lot of things as well. So, yeah, I started just putting all this together, and then it uh, apparently trended against NFT NYC during that week. I didn't know, uh, but some people who are uh, look out for these things uh, sent me a DM congratulating me. And I thought, no, oh, this is a group effort. What are we talking about? I didn't, I didn't know what it meant. But this year, we saw what happened with NFT NYC. It basically let everybody in. There's no gatekeeping at all. And then the problem is that mm-hmm. when you have um, no standards, you don't set in stance at all, you really get uh, a back that's too mixed, way too mixed. And I don't know, you still need to curate someone. You can't just, I mean, if you don't want to, to keep, you can let people in, but you still have to curate it in such a way that uh, you know, things actually look good together. And that's something they like. But anyway, I think that's gatekeeping destroyed in a way. But I still see a lot of them uh, in a lot of places. People are actually putting them up now in the metaverse because they want to make money out of it. So, yeah, you want to join our party? Yay, just buy this token, join in. Or you want to join our uh, whatever show, um, not just metaverse, but in, in uh, whatever exhibition, buy our token and maybe you can um, show something. No, still, yeah. In the end, Capitalism still requires it, I guess, because we want to make money, don't we? Yeah, no, and and I think you know, although you you were saying that you still haven't done enough 
on on things on the you know the gender divide. I mean, I think just even just speaking out about these kind of things is already you know doing something, and and even you know your intention there was saying you know I'm a I'm a robot beyond gender and and you know identifying that. And I think yeah, I, I think there is um you know it's it's important that like yeah that i think to try to get to a point where yeah we you know it shouldn't it shouldn't matter right whether whether you're you know what gender you are right you should still be you know value or not necessarily value but like you know your your work and everything should be recognized for what it is right and not who you are where you come from and and, and what do you, what you identify as right so um and what i th- one thing i find very interesting about this space is that i've actually met and connected with a lot of people that I don't even know what gender they are, <laughs> but and at the same time, and I become friends, and it doesn't matter. I don't, I don't really care. You know? <laughs> but, uh, but sometimes when it's, it's like a bit ambiguous, you know, and and uh, or the name or whatever is androgynous, you know, it's like I'm, I don't know. But, but it, it, you know, it, again, it shouldn't matter. It shouldn't prevent me from being able to to be friends with somebody, or even if the person isn't docs, for example, and I, I don't know who they are, where they're from, you know. <laughs> Um, you know, that those things shouldn't, shouldn't stand in the way of, um, of them still being able to realize like their dreams and their accomplishments and, 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 you know, put out work that they want to do. So, so I commend you for, 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 you know, for, for having that intention and, and, and bringing up this subject, because I think that is already in and of itself doing something to, to further the cause. I'm just going to say thanks because there, there seemed to be like an awkward silence for me. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's all good. <laughs> it's all good. Um, and one other thing I, I did want to ask you about was um, if you could tell us a little bit more about your process for creating your your digital artwork. Like, do you start already with like an idea in mind and build on that, or or do things kind of you know maybe just come up more intuitively? I'm just kind of curious, like how, how does your process look like for for creating the artwork that you make? Okay, um, let's go back to my photography days. Because um, that is, uh, uh, you know, it's creating cinema in stills in a way. And I always have like a story um, as, as how, how um, you know, visuals, I mean, movies work, story shoots work. You have a little bit of uh, a premise about how it should it look like. And then I always draw them down from there. It's, this could be very simple. I don't want, I don't draw very finished looks because, you know, you, I'm working with, uh, other experts like uh, wardrobe stylists, hairstylists, makeup artists. Um, basically, other people, it's a whole team of people doing work. But, you know, I, I do the lead about how my vision, what's going to be about for the, the shoot uh, shot in the end. So that's the drawing. And I give to them and it's not tell them this is the story roughly along these lines. But, you know, on the day of the shoot, we see how the model uh, reacts to it. And or, or um, the celebrities, a lot of times it's celebrity. And uh, yeah, let's see how it is. And then we um, we improvise from there, but we have everything ready for it. So um, now that I'm just doing drawings, I, I just do the same thing. I have a thought in my head, then I talk to um, to nobody because <laughs> they're not around to talk to myself. And uh, <laughs> I said, but I should enjoy this because, you know, I can do whatever I want. The only problem is I don't know if it's good or bad. So I can spend, like, I don't know, weeks or months drawing something on me to come to the conclusion that, okay, this is a piece of shit. I, I don't really want to finish it anymore. But anyway, uh, it's the same thing. I just draw it and just draw and draw and draw. Um, so last year, even last year, I think, early last year, I was still drawing ink on paper, scan them in, and then I paint them up in Photoshop. Now I bought myself 
a really shitty piece of plastic tablet for about $20, I think. Uh, yeah, because I don't have much money, so I have to use this. It's so laggy, so I draw very slowly these days. Um, and so the process is still that. I still draw it like that. You know, I thought in my head, I write it down somewhere uh, about what the premise is, and I just work on it. So that's one, one of the, 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 the processes. The other one is a, an observation of what's going on around me. And that's also where my stories come from, of course. But it could be something um, in real time, like the Iran protest. When it broke out in late September, I think, um, I didn't know what it, what it meant, you know, Masa Amini murdered, you know, because I, I have a lot of uh, friends from there. They were telling me, they were showing me um, videos, pictures, and just how scared they are about what's going to happen, you know, because they, the whole thing was they told me uh, people are hungry, they have no jobs, or they're getting really shit paid, they can't afford anything. And when I asked them, okay, so how much do you earn and what's, what do you have to spend when, when you are at work to, to buy food? And it just doesn't make sense. They just simply cannot afford to eat. You know, they go hungry. And that's why there were so many angry people. And then um, the protest got bigger and bigger. And so I thought, okay, something has to be done about this. A lot of them are too scared to speak up publicly because, uh, you know, the cops, they were just shooting at people in the crowd. And uh, it's just dangerous. And I understand that, uh, you know, about all these protests because I've been in, in some. <laughs> and yeah, they can get quite heavy-handed sometimes. Um, so I made a cartoon, uh, basically a very cartoonish piece uh, called For a Different Tomorrow. I didn't want to say a, a better tomorrow or a worse tomorrow. This is going to be different. You know, hopefully the protest will lead to something different. And that artwork, uh, I just spread up for... I wanted to keep it for free to the public. I set it up in Tezos, like object, but the platform wouldn't allow it. Um, so I, I set it up at one cent, I think, or 0 0.01 Tezos, basically to give away, away 500 copies. And it sold out. <laughs> basically, it sold out. Uh, uh, fully collected. And uh, hopefully that would have gone to a lot of eyes, you know. And I think it did because that artwork was part of something that ONBD and uh, Art Crush put up in Brussels um, just a few weeks later. And in that, um, they, they do projected artwork into the heart of Brussels, onto a city wall, basically. And uh, there were some uh, Iranian artists, you know, the brave ones, they, they just don't care. They just thought that, okay, my life is shit anyway, so what's worse? Uh, it can't get worse, so I'm just going to put my name out there. And I really respect those. So they put their names out there, and they had the artworks, and the, my artwork was part of it. And so, um, yeah, protesting. Um, protest work. Okay, anyway, no, I just saw your message. Um, questions. Okay, sorry, back to you guys. Um, I, I, I rambled too much. No, not at all. That was... Um... Then we just wanted to go ahead and, and go to another question since you are so good. You already covered it um, with your explanation. So thank you for your answer. Um, I did have a question and you touched a bit on this about, um, you know, like art crush and you've been exhibited in many places worldwide. What advice or tips would you give 
artists who are looking to increase the visibility of their art? Okay, um, now it's quite easy. There is this um, website called join, J-O-Y-N.xyz. And uh, a lot of these open calls now are partnering with them. So what you can do is go there and look out for all these open calls. And it's very easy to put your name out there right now because of Web3 space, crypto art. Because it's not just artists anymore, we are connected to each other. We are transparent. We see what each other are doing. So it's much easier to uh, ask each other, you know, is this predators or are they really uh, making the space go forward? You know, we can ask each other that. And so we've joined, uh, we can see what, what open calls there are and we can dump, uh, put our work in as long as we follow the rules. And uh, other things you can do is, okay, this is what I'm doing as well. I don't just look for anything that's NFT related. I'm also going for mainstream shows because, you know, uh, we have to keep pushing this until the world can accept our NFTs as mainstream. So right now, um, some of them, okay, some of them, they cost a lot of money because especially the non-sponsored shows, um, smaller shows. It's, it's always like this. When you hold your own exhibitions, they always cost a lot of money. So you have to be prepared for that or find yourself a patron. It's, it's hard. I mean, these days, a lot of these so-called patrons, they have um, kind of died off because they put all their money on shit coins. You have to look for them in uh, the real world. Uh, if you come from the, the real gallery circuit, I think it's easier. Because even I think when they find out how easy it is to connect to the rest of the world now, I think they'll be interested in as well. Like that's how I got into the Florence piano, you know. So you can try any any pianos, but just watch out because a lot of them are just carrying the name piano. They're not really that. Uh, just look up for the track record and what they do. Um, I don't have much experience in this as well, I have to be honest, because in all my uh, years of doing all this, I can count in one hand how many exhibitions I've done. Um, and it's only sometimes because uh, some clients or sponsors really want, um, you know, that, that show me out. And even then, I don't turn up in those unless the contract says so. Uh, okay, anyway, anyway, um, yeah, make use of that join.xyz. And from there, you can find a lot. And of course, if you have some spare coins, uh, unfortunately or fortunately, um, you can buy tokens for a lot of these uh, people who do exhibitions. Art Crush is one of them. And even though you have to invest in their company, um, it doesn't mean that you can show because they really, really curate their work. They really, really curate your work, of what can go, go up into the, uh, the shows. Um, this, yeah, so, so, so that's all I can say. Join.xyz. They're really good. Back to you guys. Great advice. Thank you so much. Um, and that join was with a Y, correct? J-O-Y-N? That's right. J-O-Y-N. I just wrote it down. Thank you. You're welcome. And okay, actually, I am open on one of the pages. And uh, you guys who are into doodling, doodles and cartoons, there is one right now open for another three days. Go there and just dump your doodle in. And wait, it seems they're selling it as well. So, yeah, just for that. Very interesting. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for all the, the good advice. For sure. So, um, and one other thing I wanted to ask you as well was you recently, um, you know, shared a tweet 
where um, you basically were, and it was talk, actually talking about the the Florence Biennale, right? Like that you mentioned, that, like in the past, you know, you've had works that won industry level awards and all that, but that you always felt kind of like detached about them. And then it wasn't until this, like becoming a finalist in, in this and getting your artwork, you know, selected for this uh, Florence Biennale, that you felt very proud of of this work and and it bridging, you know, the the, the um, you know, this new technology with old tradition. And I was curious, like, if you could tell us a little bit more about why you feel like, you know, like, why, why do you think you feel like that more of that connection now and, and more proud of like this, this work than maybe a lot of the other things and, you know, all, all the accomplishments you might have had before in photography and some of the other things that you did? Um, it's, it's okay. One aspect of it is when I was in my teens and I was doing those cartoons, getting them published, I wanted to go into the comic book industry. But I was in the wrong country, too far away from the States, and I didn't really know what to do about that. I, okay, I got into architecture, accidentally got into architecture. Yeah, I think that's, that's how it happened. A bit of a segue here. How I got into architecture was, um, it was a compromise. Um, you know, at the time, I was picking up, despite doing cartoons and, and doing all these things, I was actually studying uh, in college in, in the pre-U level, um, pure science, biology, physics, at maths. Oh my fucking goodness, what the fuck was I doing there? I said, sorry, this, I think this really deserves the expertise. <laughs> but, you know, um, somehow there was, um, I, I saw a newspaper uh, ad, a small, a small little one at the corner that, you know, there, there's going to be an, an open interview uh, by uh, the professor of one of the architecture schools from London, and he was uh, in town, my town, uh, on a certain day. And I thought, hey, this is, looks like a good compromise. You know, I, I know my sciences. I love to draw. I don't know what architecture really is. You know, buildings are probably quite boring, but I can do something, uh, at least I'm asked to be drawing. So I went there, and I had no, no real portfolio. I saw all the other um, youths like me carrying their cases of of artworks, of uh, drawings, of, you know, stuff that's got to do with building. Because today we're just studying pre-university level thing, architecture and shit, and I had comic books stuff and cartoons. And, uh, yeah, I did sculptures at the time. I actually won awards for them. Yeah, I did a lot of shit, right? Um, so I showed photos of that, you know, some photos I've taken, whatever I can draw, you know, show it to the guy. And uh, I really respect him because he just someone said like uh, you know something about potential. I mean that's the, what the letters said. Again, uh, went back home, didn't think much about it. Thought okay, maybe an um, you know uh, probably a rejection letter or uh, something. But uh, the letter that came was a very well detailed uh, acceptance letter. Why I was accepted. You know, it's all about potential and, and stuff like that. And so I didn't understand that. I just showed it to my, my father and he was, uh, he was just shocked, you know. And so I, I think I was taking A-levels at the time. And uh, I didn't dare talk about this at the, um, even um, back then. But I actually didn't sit for the final exam because I got uh, the, the acceptance into university. With this, with some some drawings of, of comic book art and pictures of sculptures, small sculptures, not big ones, and uh, this very rudimentary drawings and stuff, you know. So, I thought, wow, 
this this must be like art school. Eh? So I got in there and uh, I just treated like like a few years of art school, square two buildings, and somewhat just into architecture. And so oh wait, did I am answering you? So and uh, that's why even uh, when I got into photography and okay, I love photography. I, I do, I do, but. Wants that the one is for let's say magazine covers or for for ads, you know, for for whatever shit like that. It's not okay. Deep in some personal ones, uh, but you know, it just felt detached when I was doing the photography time. So that's why when um I got this in and I just felt like wow, the real OGs, you know, the real masters of the genre, can say that they got into something like this with their portfolio. And here I am, like a bloody pretender, uh, getting in. Into a top 10 and that's why in a way i feel proud but yet at the same time even if i don't probably overthink and think oh i am an imposter am i well, i am an imposter i don't belong there and things like that so anyway yeah so that's why i don't know if that answers you or not but that's that's the answer yeah no it definitely it definitely answers and and it's cool because now you you know it's with the the full art form that you loved that first love that you know you were able to um, to to get that award so that's that's so cool love that Anyway, you can go up maybe your, your next question. Um, sure. And and before I do that, I wanted to just quickly say that I, I don't think that uh, you should see yourself as an imposter. I think that things happen very much uh, on purpose in this universe and you were selected for a reason. So I'm really happy that you got that in the art style that you feel most attached to. So just wanted to say that. And uh, I did want to ask if you could share what art you have recently minted for sale and where collectors can find it. Um, okay, you can find me on Object. Uh, I do most of my experimental stuff there. Uh, and also things that use of censorship, I do it there as well. Uh, because, you know, it's just more fun there, not to make money and all. Um, but on Ethereum, uh, you can find me on Foundation. I love them because, okay, I'm very practical being Asian and all. It's because they charge uh, quite low fees for what they provide. <laughs> so, yeah, yay. You know, unlike Makerspace on Moon Origin, they charge like 15% and they do um, not much. But I have to say I love uh, the community managers at um, Moon Origin. I really love them. They're very friendly, can be funny. I, uh, apparently, Makerspace have got great managers as well, but I don't know any of them. And... Yeah, the, the latest ETH book I've minted is actually at Makerspace, but that has been sold already recently. Um, right now, I am, I'm looking at the conditions of the market and I'm also looking at what I've not been selling. I don't actually sell much stuff. You know, I don't. Um, collectors mostly go around saying, yeah, yeah, we, we've collected Chun Li. And then I told them, I tell them, no, you actually have not collected from me. Then he checked me, oh, okay. Then he go to Object and buy a cheap one. <laughs> so it's quite funny in a way um but yeah uh so i'm concentrating on trying to finish um moving the um the ones on foundation right now um the, the unsold ones but then again uh i okay i have to to segue from your question a bit because something interesting happened recently that got me thinking that we have to stop looking for collectors within uh the web tree space they, they look at them, they, they're turning themselves into so-called artists using AI right now to make their money back, right? And even this today, one of them bitched about how nobody's buying their stuff. And uh, yeah, finally, you know, one of them has kind of experienced what it's like to be an artist when nobody buys your stuff. And he's selling it for quite a lot of money, open edition too. Anyway, um, 
what happened recently was this. Someone uh, I've known for a long time um, in in real world came to me after uh, news broke out of uh, the uh, the Florence Biennale thing, and he offered me a large sum of money, and he was apologetic, you know, so he said, "Okay, I don't have that much to spend, but here's this much money. Can it, you know, it's not enough. Just give me a discount if, if we have known each other for a long time. Uh, just sell me one of the artworks that's uh, part of that portfolio." Um, I did have some, um, but the thing is this: I after I did the conversion from ETH to uh, to fiat, I showed it to him and say, "Oh, well, you know what? You know the sum you you actually offered can buy all this up, all of it." And he lost interest. He lost interest, and it's this strange. He wanted it when he perceived all these things as very valuable, and when he found out that you know so so cheap to him, it's, it's not cheap, but it's still cheap to him. He just didn't want it anymore. So um, people go out there bringing your collectors into this space because, you know, there is right now a discrepancy going on. And uh, a lot of the collectors in this space right now, they're telling you, oh, no, no, we just can buy it for this much. This, they're just trying to get it for cheap, right? And uh, then, of course, there are some respectable ones who are also dealing with real-life um, art world and also in here collecting stuff as well. Um, you watch out for those. Um, like okay, who's this? Um, Mondo, Mondo, uh, Mondo IR. He he's opened a uh, a gallery in Dubai recently, and his collection of real real life art collection is 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 this crazy because he's got climate control warehouse and all, and yet at the same time he's also trying to push um, art NFTs art on the blockchain as legitimate art. He's been going around to um, news talk shows and all that to, to talk about it. So watch out for collectors like that. Those are the ones you should support, you know, help each other. Also watch out for uh, people like Tech Bubble, you know, Nick Kalyani with his um, DAO. He's got ideas of how to move this, this thing further as well. But not, it doesn't always work because it's, it's quite new, right, this whole thing. So, um, yeah, so support the collectors who actually try to support the space, not the ones who ask you to uh, put their name into your artwork minted and then they might just buy it. Those are predators. Forget them. Okay. And those are also the ones who uh, create harems and um, yeah, ask for uh, certain pictures sometimes. You know, but no, just watch out for those. Anyway, before I, 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 I forget it again, bring in your, your friends who like art into this space. You know, they don't have to collect anything. Just get them. At least look at uh, the art culture here, because we are definitely developing something um, that, what's the word to use, a bit um, um, endemic, let's use the word, because I'm just thinking of pandemic, fucking hell, endemic to, to this, this uh, web tree space right now. So a lot of people from the outside probably look in and go, wow, this is so weird, so strange. But you know, if you bring enough of them in here as art enthusiasts, people love art, not to make, or maybe they want to make candles, but you know, to, uh, to enjoy it. Maybe they can slowly change the perception as well. And some of them might actually be uh, the collectors of the arts who spends a lot of money on, on big pieces. They might do the same here. So, yeah. That was really great. I'm going to definitely check out your work on Foundation. And I think uh, the other points that you made are very fair and um, very on point. You know, we actually had a guest uh, some weeks ago who also touched on that issue of like being mindful of certain collectors who don't have the best intentions. So, um, 
thank you for reiterating that as well. Yeah, and I think you, you made a good point too about, you know, I think the importance of trying to get other people that are art enthusiasts and that just love the art to, to just kind of come and see like the amount of like amazing art that's being like created every day in this space, you know, because even like forget about the technology and NFTs and blockchain and all this stuff, but like there's a lot of artists on here making so much, you know, cool art every day, so many different styles. I mean, you know, just being in this space and really, uh, you know, learning more about artists and seeing something is, is giving me almost a whole new appreciation of art. Like I used to love art like my whole life. I made it growing up and you know, didn't collect that much, you know, because I didn't have a whole lot of money growing up, you know, but, um, but yeah, it's, it's really given me such a, a big appreciation. And now, you know, with things even like, like Tezos and all that, you know, it's, it, you know, you can find things for, for, you know, affordable price, you know, and I think, yeah, like the more we can get, bring awareness to like the art side of it and not the, as you said at the beginning, like don't come for the flips, come for the art, you know, by the art. Um, yeah, I think that's really what, what's going to really help this space to, to grow and mature and, and, and hopefully then people will see value and, Hey, I, this is, I can support artists this other way. And, and and collect stuff, you know, digitally as well. And, and I know in other spaces, I know one one that Jenny like co-hosts as well, uh, Collectors Corner on Thursdays. You know, there's been some people that are very big art collectors that have traditionally collected physical works, and they've literally like run out of space to put physical art in their homes, and and that's why they also now have turned also to to digital and NFTs, and and you know now they're like, all right, I'd rather you know now I can buy a you know a, a screen and, and display my art and i can change things up or i can you know do stuff in in vr or whatever you know so so yeah so i think it's it also creates this whole other way to to be able to experience and appreciate art so i think yeah the more we can you know if people that we know that have an appreciation for it, bring them introduce them to, to other artists i think um, that's definitely going to help the space grow so i think that's that's good advice no, it just reminded me, uh, I did meet some collectors who had to buy up entire blocks of uh, buildings just to put their stuff in. And then, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, no. Um, and one thing I wanted to ask you about, so, you know, you mentioned um, you know, the different places that, that you have your artwork available. And I, I, you know, before the interview, I was kind of looking at, you know, the, the different pieces and stuff you have. And I noticed one thing kind of that was kind of interesting to me, which was that, like, some of the pieces you've li- you have on, on object. Um, you have a very interesting approach to selling those. Like it's all, I noticed that some of them were like all offer based. And and so you didn't actually like list it for something. You just said, okay, like, you know, you, people could just offer to buy it or, or buy it from other collectors. And I was curious why you decided to go that route and how it's worked for you so far, you know, because I know like that's one thing that, you know, as artists, people are always thinking like, oh, what do I price this at? How do I sell it? So I was just kind of curious how, why you went that direction and, and, and how it's gone with that, that approach? Um, okay, I think you, you're thinking about the, uh, the one that says that the title is uh, When is the Bull Coming Back? Yeah, yeah. And uh, <laughs> for that, because I'm taking the piss again on the whole shitcoin situation. So uh, anyone who comes in and makes offers are, are part of the art performance. So the whole thing's a little fun game. And I'm not really in to make money because, you know, uh, there was one one person who who uh, kept making lowball offers, and I accepted them, you know, just, just for fun. And then someone else came in with a high offer, and then uh, this this person suddenly made five times um, 
within half an hour. <laughs> you know, so things like that. It's just like, hey, this is just like this shit coin thing. Wow. And, <laughs> it's like the same thing, but happening with the NFT. Yeah. Wow. So a lot of people didn't understand it. So what I did was I uh, finally put in uh, a listing price. But then I wrote down, this is just an indicative price. And so you keep making offers. I still maybe accept, maybe not. I don't care, right? I mean, oh, I care, but I just want to, to rig the game in a bit. And so someone came in with an offer last time. I took it and then I raised the price up. It's so fun. You know, um, so what's going to happen is whoever comes in with another offer next, I'll just drop the price down. Maybe, or maybe I'll raise it up double. Who knows? So yeah, it's really not to make money. Sorry, guys, this is not a good advice if you're in for no, games. <laughs> but okay, wait. That was another thing I tried before. Uh, was during Halloween when I did a series of works that's basically uh, screen caps, screenshots of screenshots of screenshots of screenshots. So you know, it just becomes an infinite loop of screenshots with a different. Uh, a different title on the, each screenshot every time. Basically, it was to protest. Um, you know, what? there were so many Halloween events on Tezos, on, on Object at the time. So I made this to uh, take the mickey out of it. And so I started off at, I don't remember how much it was, but each time I did a new um, mint, I halved the price. I kept halving it until I couldn't halve it anymore. I can't remember what was the last one, but it was a song at the end. So, yeah, that's a little bit of fun. And uh, I did all that within one one space. I think it was an object space or, or some, some Tezos community space. And it was it was fun. And then someone came in and uh, bought up everything uh, or bought up quite a lot of something and started saying, I'm going to burn it all. I'm going to burn it all if you don't do this and that. And so I let him burn. And the more he burned, the more he cried. He was actually crying on stage. Because, you know, it's the money. Yeah, I forgot what it was about. But, you know, so yeah, have fun. Have fun, guys. Uh, but that doesn't answer your question, <laughs> does it? No, no, it's okay. No, I just wanted to understand, like, the, and, and you did. You did answer it because I was just curious, like, why you decided to do that. It was really just more for fun, right? <laughs> just to, like, all right, let me let me try this out and and kind of see what happens and almost, like, poke fun at the, the whole, like, you know, meme coin kind of thing. So, no, that, that, does, that does answer the question. For sure. Um, and one other thing I, I want to ask you. So I I, I, um, I noticed you have like a really awesome spatial gallery. You know, so I, I kind of went in there and, and, and looked around and all that and just thought it was it was just so nicely like laid out and wanted to get some of your thoughts on like the metaverse and you know what you think its role is and like, you know, curating and experiencing digital art. What are your thoughts on it? I think it's great. I think it's great because... Um, when this technology uh, develops further, uh, and it will, it will always develop further. It's always, but at the same time, it's dependent on uh, hardware, right? So I like spatial uh, because you can use a 10-year-old, 12-year-old machine and it can still um, still load okay. Um, and you don't have to travel around. You can be in, let's say, uh, in Vietnam. And then you can go to a gallery, have a meeting with somebody from, I don't know, um, Bogota or somewhere. <laughs> oh, my goodness, my voice. Um, yeah. And yeah, so we can basically do any events together and, and have, have um, everyone from around the world very quickly come together. 
you know, but of course people are also complaining, but we don't get to hug and can and do, uh, I don't know, drinks and stuff with each other. You can have that, but you can also have this. I think they, they complement each other really well. Uh, especially, you know, when um, most people don't actually have the means to travel. You know, uh, for example, where I am, you asked me to go join a conference in, I don't know, uh, Barcelona, New York. I have to say that I can never afford it. So, yeah, this, this technology is great. And um, actually what happened was, uh, so early last year, I introduced this to, uh, to one of the world's biggest media agencies. Um, yeah, this is perks of, of having worked in the creative industry for, for a long time and meeting uh, people who eventually climb up to the roles of top boss. And also introduced them at whole office to, uh, to Spatial. And I showed them what it can be, you can do, not this gallery, you can have meetings and all. And bing, in the head said, wow, we can actually do conferences like this without having to get off our ass and yeah, and get together. And then another one said that, you know, you can, you don't have to book meeting rooms anymore because you can just throw everyone together into this space and uh, talk it up. Especially, you can also share live screens, you can share uh, live video screens of you, and also it works. Uh, so yeah, I just think it's great. If, um, there are so many of them right now, not just spatial. Uh, recently, I've seen something called Helix coming up. Um, that one looks like great, but I think you need a very new, powerful computer to work in it. Uh, I've seen, uh, what else? There's OnCyber, that was totally web tree, so you need everything minted to, to show. And oh yeah, what well, like spatial is because you can put in anything at all. You don't have to be Web3. You can be a, a recreation of, of uh, the Louvre artworks. If you just have visited the Louvre, take pictures of those, those things on display. You can create your own little hallway uh, of, uh, of that museum as well. You, know, you don't have to mint it. So yeah, it's, it's the, I just think that the possibilities are endless. It's endless. And, oh, by the way, uh, I see you uh, walking around in Gallery 1. I actually have got quite a few galleries. And if you go through the portals, you can visit the other ones as well. And, yeah. So, and that's also how I managed to put together uh, 400 artists from all around the world. From all around the world to, to one space, to one event that, uh, that rifled for a short time uh, the NFT NYC, the real thing. Okay, uh, the portal is the, the round uh, globe thing. Just click on that and you go there. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Okay, back to you guys. Waiting to see these new ones. This is amazing. And bravo to you because that's such a cool alternative to NFT NYC. Um, and like a real undertaking, you know, that you were able to amass 400 artists is just amazing to me. Oh, caveat there. Um, during the, the duration of NFT NYC, um, there wasn't 400, but I, I extended the show for three months. So I didn't do anything. I didn't promote my own work. I just promoted all these other people uh, for free. I, I wasn't in it for the money. I was taught, you know, at the time, even then, I, I thought we can't just stick to uh, this web tree and depend on the collectors here. And, you know, having come from a commercial world, I've seen a lot of artworks by all these artists who uh, who probably would do really well uh, in commercial arts. And so I showed uh, these, these people to uh, creative directors, to uh, you know, like the media people I, I've talked about for 
the artist is basically telling them, look, there are a lot of artists in these spaces like this. You can just come in, you know, sometimes you want to look for someone and just come in, look at their portfolio. You can chat with them straight away uh, through their whatever information that they've provided. And also it works a bit like a, a three-dimensional yellow pages, a three-dimensional website, except it's not so dense because you feel like you're there and you feel like you're looking at gigantic artworks bigger than what you can actually find in real life uh, physical galleries sometimes. And they sometimes they move too. <laughs> so I thought this is great. And especially if you have a VR headset, you can uh, actually get motion sickness out of it. Because that's what happened to, uh, to one of the guests uh, last year. Um, <laughs> bought himself a new VR set. He said, like, oh, let's go, let's go. He said, let's come. Okay, let's go. He didn't survive one level. He felt sick his butt. I need to say, oh, man, I need to go go and, and vomit. It's so, a yeah. lot. It's a lot to take in <laughs> from a, new, a newcomer. Yeah, I hope he doesn't listen to the recording. I always go, bloody hell, you're talking about me? <laughs> no, not just you, quite a few of you, sorry. <laughs> That's okay. I feel if, he, if you are ever listening, it's a, it's a common thing because the scale is just so immense. It's like a visceral experience. Like you don't usually have that feeling unless you were to go to a physical museum. So it makes a lot of sense. Plus you have that device super close to you. Um, so I totally get where he's coming from with that. But yeah, man, this gallery, these other galleries are just phenomenal. And the fact that you're able to bridge those worlds, you know, like introduce people who aren't familiar to uh, the metaverse or to Web3 to these amazing artists is, is phenomenal. Um, now, I have a question, uh, tangent, honestly. Uh, outside of art, what do you enjoy doing? Uh, let's, let's put it this way. I hope that the, um, people won't blush. I've been stuck to this plastic chair for 25 hours a day for the last year and a half that I've developed rashes and discoloration on my butt that I've got no names for. And so what do I enjoy outside of art and web tree? I think nothing in the last year and a half because, okay, before I got into this, I baked a lot, I cooked a lot. I made sourdough bread with my own uh, starter, you know, it's developed its own flavor and all that. That took a while to do, to develop, um, to grow. And this within this year and a half, uh, it's died in the fridge. So I, I don't, I can't say I even enjoy baking anymore because I'm not made one. So yeah, my 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 family now has to go, go through commercially baked breads. I'm so sorry, but <laughs> uh, what else do I enjoy? I don't know. I've not really gone out. I've become web tree, totally. Sadly, or not? I don't know. Well, you're doing important work. And sometimes that requires you being completely devoted to that. So there's, you know, nothing wrong with that either. And it's funny you mentioned the baking because there was a period of time during the pandemic where all I did was bake, like breads, banana breads, all that stuff. So, right. Yeah, I feel you. <laughs> and making the dough and letting it sit and then letting it fold it and seeing the, uh, the bubbles and all that. Yeah. Wow. Mm. I might just do a starter. Yeah, I, I need to. I'm getting hungry now. <laughs> so my wife has been complaining about this. Um, yeah, so I have to go back to it somewhat. That's awesome. And I did want to mention to folks um, that are in the audience, if you guys want to request and come up to ask questions, feel free uh, to request. I'm going to send you, AJ, a, a request as well. Because I know you usually tell me you want to... Uh, 
Yeah, you want me to challenge you to do that? So I just said that's over to you. But also anyone anyone else that's in the space uh, wants to come up, feel free to request now. Uh, I had a, another fun question for you, um, Chun Li, because I, I was so I was curious. If, are, are you a big fan of the video game like Street Fighter? Because I did see. So I know you mentioned in your profile that like um, that your name is pronounced like the character you know Chun Li from the game, and there was also an artwork that you posted. I think that you were replying to someone saying I think it was one of the first um, NFTs you had sold that it, and it was actually like a, a an image and I'll share it over here like a, a Blanca from Street Fighter eating noodles. So I was just kind of curious like if you if you happen to really like the game or not, and uh, and if that's for um, you know why you had the, the reference there to Chun Li the character and other stuff. Which way, um, I've been made fun of forever of name like this. So, uh, yeah, it's just become very much part of my life. You know, I I didn't really embrace it like this uh, before Web3. But, you know, I realized that many people couldn't figure out how my name is pronounced. So I just thought, okay, this uh, if I use this as a reference, it will help them. And uh, that's it. But anyways, it's stuck. Uh, it's stuck. And uh, about Blanca, yes. Um because that the whole series is about pop culture references, pop culture characters, and that's why I thought Blanca is something um, quite memorable. So I use use that for that. And um, whether I am a fan, my correct my uh, character when I do play it is E Honda, that a fat one. All I know how to do is to mash the button, the single button. The one so he goes like yeah, he does the the yeah. fast hands. <laughs> Cause that's all I know how to do. So yeah, I don't really play it that much. I I just watch other people play most of the time. Back then, uh, in arcades. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Big buttons. Yeah, I was a big fan of the of the game growing up. But yes, yeah, so I was just curious. But <laughs> no, that's cool. And I do see we got a few people up on stage. Uh, David, how you doing? Hey guys, how's it going? It's going well, man. It's going well. How's Good. your Friday been? Good. I'm at work, but I'm just listening in. I'm downstairs in my office. So. But yeah, I was just wanting to say this is just amazing to get to know. Um, I'm so sorry. Is it showing? Showing? So, okay. Well, one of the things, one of the things I do is uh, throughout my life, I've been collecting a different pronunciations of my name. So it's, I've been called uh, on paper. I know people don't, don't know how I look like. You know, over the phone, they call, hey, uh, Mr. John Lee or Sean Lee. Or some whatever, um, all sorts. And more recently, because a lot of people here use funny names, right? So I've got Clown Lee, Clone Lee, uh, Chosen Lee, um, all sorts. So, yeah, uh, Charlene even. So I don't know how that, that came about me. I don't know. Yeah. I can definitely relate to that with my last name, Moriarty. It's some people add different letters to it and stuff. But, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I was just wanting to... I see you in the space all the time. Like your presence is very much, and it's just really a pleasure to get to know you, learn about you as an artist and your art and stuff. Um, and I like the um, some of the activism type art that you do. Um, one of my questions was: I've I've done a lot of that type of art in in the past, but I've always been, especially nowadays, been a little uh, hesitant to show it because I don't know what kind of backlash I would get, but. Would you have any advice on just being able to be bold and show your art and not worry about what the what people say? Yeah. Um, okay. At the uh, let's just put it this way. Um, this version of me is like an alter ego, you know, like a hyper 
fictional version of me. You know, like how you, sometimes you see uh, comedians, they do a show called um, Their Own Name Show. And they, they portray like a, a hyper version of themselves. So this is a bit like that. And that's why I, I, it's a bit like a role-playing thing. So I, I put this, this mask up, this alter ego up to, to be more courageous and uh, with less filter or no filter. So I don't know if it's a, a, a mindset thing or maybe because I feel safer hiding behind, behind this technology. And the thing, the good, the, the great thing is this: um, you can, you can not, you can don't reveal yourself. But yet, if your work speaks um, to the crowd or the the people because of, of what it says, uh, people will still share it. You know, so uh, you could make use of um, this this culture right here, I guess. But in real life, I don't know, um, it's a bit harder because you are really exposing yourself to, to everything. But again, at the same time, you just think about it, does it matter? What is at stake here? What is at stake? What your work? What is at stake? Is it bigger than you? If it is, just put it out there. Because very often people don't see you. They see your work. You be safe. Uh, they cancel you, of course, they do that. People tend to do that. They cancel you over anything. So don't worry about it. Um, if they do that, that means your, your piece of work is hitting the right notes somewhat. Uh, yeah, I hope that makes sense. Very good. Very good. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I can relate to that. Like, I've always thought of having, like, an alter ego in myself because I'm, you know, I can be pretty out there sometimes, but... But yeah, I was just wanting to come up and say hi, and it was really nice to meet you and learn more about you. Um, I was on your um, object, and I got a mural about Bali, which was a really phenomenal piece. Like, the price is like a steal. So, like, yeah, I just want to let other people speak now. But thank you so much. It was really a pleasure. Thank you for picking up one piece like that. Uh, yeah, people. Um, I usually don't don't put my exhibition pieces at the kind of prices, but I thought, hey, you know, I want uh, more people to know about uh, Balinese culture. I, I don't I don't live there. I've only been there as a visitor, but um, I'm also one of those visitors who are, who's um, you know who actually spends time with uh, the locals. And what I've been seeing, especially because of NFT Bali, a lot of people perceive Bali as this almost like a theme park. You know, a paradise theme park where the locals are the workers who are only there to serve you. And I thought that was this fucking wrong. You know, because of the way people talk about, oh, yeah, we get to get a party. And then we have all these people who um, facilitate us because of their homes. The thing is, these people have been living there for a long time. Uh, hundreds of years, thousands of years, having developed their culture there. You know, so I, I thought, okay, maybe I'll just put in all these things. To people who don't see it, and especially uh, you know things on the left, bottom left, that drawing, you see the um, the offerings which are all over the streets outside people's homes because those are offerings to the um, the garden spirits of their street or this maybe this right outside the gate, and yeah, so I've asked them before. Also, what happens? What why do people just leave them there? And 
Uh, okay, I, I can't remember what the practical reason is. I'm just thinking maybe they, 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 they want to give it back to the uh, animals as well. But okay, that's just me, my filter through it. But they told me why I forgot. But um, they told me that once the, the incense burns out, that's it, they, they're supposed to pick it up and just remove it. But a lot of them don't because for some of the reasons. And uh, what if you step on it and they say, oh, uh, you know, not supposed to, but practically because the whole the whole roads can be filled with it sometimes. You just can't avoid it. You can't do accidentally step on it. So it's just little things like that. I still wanted to let people know, you know, people see what's going on there, especially the, that know that creature right in the middle, right? The uh, that the effigy of of a of monster. And that is the Ogo Ogo, which is actually uh, something all the Balinese would put together uh, and then parade it around the island uh, for a day and then burn it at night during a big festival and that whole idea is to throw away all the bad vibes, burn away all the bad vibes, scare away all the bad vibes, bad spirits. And then the next day is Nepi, which is the day of silence where everyone stays home and the whole island is, is the silence. And I just thought that, you know, this is something that I could draw about because that's what I experienced when I went there a long time ago and went through Nepi and it was this an amazing uh, cultural and spiritual experience. I've never experienced an entire island so, or anywhere so quiet for one whole day. And yeah, so anyway, that's that. Thanks for, for picking that one up. Thank you, David. Yeah, it sounds amazing. And actually, by the way, we do have uh, one of the guests in, who was in the room, uh, Anastasia, NFTR. She actually lives in Bali as well. So I thought she'd also appreciate that, that artwork as well. But um, yeah, thank you so much, David, for for coming up and and for asking that question. And and you know, you picked up a, an artwork from one of our guests. So I appreciate that as well. Um, so I know that the next person we had on the speaker stage was uh, Hudasaka. How are you doing? Hello, hello, everyone. Giancarlo, Jenny, what's good? Thank you for hosting this amazing space. I don't want to say your name incorrectly, but your art is beautiful. When when I got in into listening to the conversation. After a little bit, you, you mentioned something quite like that. Like people have a bunch of trouble pronouncing names throughout the Web3 space. And I say this not only because of your name and, and of course, cultural differences and, and, um, and accents and different languages. But I myself have find, my, have find myself in a bit of a, I would say, like, like lost with my name pronunciation in different spaces as well. My name is Juan David. Salazar Castillo. I'm from Colombia. So I just took the first two letters of each name and I created Hudasaka. But then I've learned um, that people will pronounce it however they want it. Some people call me Judasaka. Some people call me Judaseka, Hudakasa, Kasahuka. I mean, it, it goes all over the place. Yeah. And I just, I just go with it. I felt that it's become a great um, conversation starter or like a great icebreaker. And that, that really helps to get you know, to get to know more people. So it's like a funny thing um, to get your name mispronounced, but it's usual, I would say, even for um, Latin American people and, of course, people from all over the world. Um, some other things that I, that I heard over, I mean, first of all, I, I think I already said that your art is is beautiful. And, and David was highlighting the fact that we as, and, and you were talking about this as well, as NFT artist or whatever we do, I consider myself, and I think I've heard plenty of times, Jen, 
talk about this, even um, Eddie Gangland. And I consider myself, and I know a lot of us do, as a creator. So whatever I create, mm -hmm. um, is that's what I do. I'm not an NFT artist. I'm not a, I'm not a digital artist. I'm not like I don't I don't only paint or or create stuff with paint. Um, I'm all over the place, and and a lot of my work kind of revolves around that. Um, the fact that I'm able to create bridges, and we talk a lot about this with Jen and other spaces, and last week's spaces as well with with Josef Zapata, a great artist also from Colombia, and and the fact is that we create stuff, and and a lot of that. And back to David's point, um, to not care about what people say, I would say. I myself consider myself to be very like outgoing and like an extrovert, but sometimes I'm not, you know, we're not always the person who we think we are. And I think that's key um, in, in, in the sense of what we express. So whatever we express to our work, art or whatever we do, music or speaking and, and et cetera, et cetera, that's basically what we want to show. And if that's honest and if it's something people can, can relate to in the sense of, Feeling not that they like the art necessarily, but that they feel that whatever you put on that piece of paper, on your iPad, on whatever you're doing, clearly comes from oneself. And I, and I think that's pretty cool. That's something I heard Jenny say a couple of days ago, and I really connected with that. We create for us. Well, that's the way I see it. I don't create for other people. I create for myself. And I would say I'm my biggest judge. Like whenever I'm like, oh, is people going to like this? I rarely find myself thinking that. It's more like, damn, this, what I just created is super fun and I want to put it out there. That's part of being an artist, I believe. Once I believed in myself, I kind of felt that chip change in, in feeling like I'm actually an artist. I say this because I'm not an artist. Uh, I didn't study art or anything like that. I'm a self-taught artist. So I combine those two. The NFT thing, um, you guys talked about this and, and it's something I say a lot, but of course in the Web3, it, it kind of creates a lot of noise. I believe in NFTs. I love NFTs, but I still see it as a platform to reach a more global audience. You know, I believe it's growing. I believe we're creating it as well. And I love that part about Web3 and it's the fact that we're building it. But that doesn't mean that I'm married to these um, to this platform. Like if something else comes about, I still do my physical expos and exhibitions. To me, it's more of, of reaching a global audience. It was recently that I created this um i was doing like a bio about myself for this thing in peru for a blockchain conference that they had in peru and i realized that since i started web3 a lot of my expos and exhibitions have gotten to a more global audience so i've been in panama and then miami like a lot of that was happening here but now i'm, I'm reaching um more of south america i was just in portugal as well and a lot of that has come through um nfts which is what i love because it helps me to reach a more global audience. And with that, also what you just said, in terms of that interconnectivity that we have, the fact that you're like super far away, but we still talk to each other a lot. And I love that about Web3. Going back and closing a little bit with the, the thing about the names and pronunciation, how, and I'm sorry for the bad language, but how fucking cool is it that we're able to connect with people from all over? And this is something we've heard for the older people that I know are here. Since the 2000s with the whole internet thing, you know, reaching a more global audience and being able to connect with one another. And 23 years after that, I really feel that that's starting to happen. You know, we've been connected, but the interaction has gotten better and better thanks to technology. And in this case, what we talk about, which is definitely art. So, yeah, this is what I love about Web3, the fact that I'm able to connect with a whole bunch of other people 
not only through art, which is what we do essentially, but through these sources of um, spaces where we get to meet people, put faces behind the um, the PFPs um, to get to know. And I love that question about Jen. I really love these spaces because she asked you and she's asked, I mean, most of the people that are here, um, the guests, what else do you do aside from, from art? You know, not only in terms of work, but what other things do you enjoy? I know Jen is a big fan of nature. I myself love nature as well, but I consider myself to be a city kid as well. So I go back and forth and I feel that's part of what we do in, in terms of how we express ourselves. And hopefully, and I mean that with all my heart, hopefully we keep doing that and, and not fall into the trap of trying to create for other people. Once we do that, I feel that the whole concept of art is just is put aside. To me, art in whatever form is just another way of expression. And that's what people should do. Express what they feel, maybe when they can't do it through words. So hopefully that's what we keep doing. Big shout out to everyone. My boy Luco, I see him down there as well. Akash, who I heard last time. David, I got a piece of your first drop on Object and it was amazing. I really loved the selfie thing. I think it was a pretty cool concept. So big shout out to everyone. Giancarlo, I love your work. You saw me getting one of your pieces. I'm glad you had that sold out. So nothing but much, much love. Um, keep creating, guys. Let's go. Yay. Let's, let's go. go. Oh, another thing, another thing before I, I hand over the mic. Um, I'll be in Florida um, from like the 25th of June until the 5th, July 4th celebration, all of that. So maybe if I'm able to meet some of y'all, that would be amazing. David, I don't know where you live, but I don't know why I feel that you live in Florida. I know Jennifer does. Giancarlo or somebody else already reached out and yep. said, hey, if you're out here, um, let's connect. So I would love to put faces to y'all. Um, yeah. Of course, Jenny and David, I would love to see you guys again. So let's I see live that in goes. Georgia, so it's not that far from Florida. Not at all. I'll be staying in Ocala, which is only a couple hours away. What, what, where oh, in what? Georgia? I'm sorry I took a little bit of space to this. Kind of north of Atlanta. It's like a... Okay. Called Canton. Like all kind right. of up I'll, I'll look it up. I'll look it up. Canton, Georgia. Yeah. Yeah, that would be awesome. Nice. I really hope we get to reconnect again, Juan. Totally. Yeah, totally. Juan, much love, definitely, guys. man. No, much love to you, brother. Thank you so much for uh, for coming here. I, I love a lot of what you said. I, I live an hour east of, of Orlando, so I'm super close. So yeah, you definitely definitely hit me up when you when you come uh, come this way. I would love to catch up and, and meet face to face and hang out. Um, and and man, I, I really love that that point you made about you know that the fact that we are you know we're creators, right? Like. It's it's not you know NFT artists or this or that. I mean, even if like all this technology and all these things go away, you know, we're still going to be creating. And Chun Li, you, you have your hand up. Go ahead. Yeah, I, I just shared something from uh, Juan uh, up there. <laughs> I thought it was pretty cool because they're using VR headsets to do paintings within uh, wherever the the virtual gallery is. One day when uh, there is going to be a real metaverse, like. Um, that was the blocky one called. Oh my goodness, the game. Ah, uh, this the name is got on my head. Okay, those games. When when it's gonna be a real metaverse when we can really run from one place to another geographically within a space or even teleport uh, to each other, and you can actually go around and vandalize for real. I think that's when uh, it's gonna get exciting. And no, anyway, anyway, I I I enjoy seeing those pictures because you're really doing it um in this space yeah okay back to you guys uh, a quick word about what you shared one thank you for sharing that um 
we downloaded I, I wanted to talk to Jen about this. I've been putting away this conversation for a little bit, but Jen is also a VR, I'll say like a VR artist, like a virtual reality artist. Mm-hmm. But something happened to my account and now I'm not able to reach my games. I don't know what the hell happened. So I had to like repurchase stuff. And while I was looking through the games that I had to purchase again on my VR headset, I you know, I ran through um the Kingsbraid thing and I was with Luco. Um Luco's down here as well. And I said, should we download it? I mean, we've seen people playing around with this. And yeah, I mean, we ourselves, not Luca necessarily, but Josef Zapata and myself call ourselves apartment kids, um, graffiti artists, like apartment graffiti artists, meaning that we don't really hang out in the streets all that much as we would like to, but it's kind of hard. We do other things. Um, And most recently, we had a really nice mural that we made right before we went to New York. And I mean, it's the, it's the streets, you know how it goes. So we got like somebody went over and literally just painted over our wall. And that was a little sad, if, I, if I'm honest. So a lot of that conversation started happening in the sense of we don't care if people go over our stuff on the streets because we've already created something. And thanks to Web3 and NFTs and all of that, we can share that with people. So the graffiti stops being so... Um, something that people can take away from you, it becomes something that you can actually put on Web3 and make it as an NFT. And I believe that to be so cool. Um, we started trying out. This is like at a rooftop location in New York. So we just put on our headsets and we started playing around and we created something that we would normally do here in Bogota and wherever we go, we, we've painted walls also in New York. And yeah, just hand over the can to Luco. He did his thing. He's amazing. He's He felt so comfortable doing it. I was like, have you ever played this before? But Luco is a, he was he was born to do art. Like if you meet Luco and if you see him work, um, he's amazing. He's down here. Check him out. So that was pretty cool to hang out with them. And then Joseph came along, and he had he had a little bit of trouble getting used to like the whole um, VR experience. But once he did, um, he just did his thing. His palometa came out amazing. And I'm glad we're able to share all of this. A lot of what I do, and I, and I include my my in in this convo, I include of course Luco and Joseph, is that we try to create bridges between what we do in real life, like everyday life, and art. So I just try to put art in between all of those things that we do in 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 our you know everyday life, like work, like sharing and talking to our friends, like having cool conversations to talk about, like creating different spaces to share our art in um different moments and all of that is is basically what moves me not only art but being able to see people connecting through art and of course with the use of technology again guys thank you very much a pleasure for you guys to to share a little bit of what we do and and hopefully we get to hang out and and do some some vr painting soon (laughs) let's do it man and i saw you guys doing your graffiti and i was like yes let's go so so fun um i don't see we have any other Speakers coming up. I did have maybe one last question before we can wrap it up. I know it's really late for you, Chen Lee, as well. So thank you for staying on for more than a, a couple hours with us today. Um, last one I had was just, you know, uh, what are your top three favorite movies of all time? Um, oh, wait. This brings back to the question is now, what else do I do outside mm-hmm. of? No, okay. I actually watch a lot of movies. I do that because they are a source of inspiration. I don't watch as much now as I did in my youth, but I still watch a lot. Um, so a definite top three. I don't know how to put this together because I watch so much. Okay, let's let's say uh, it changes with time. And recently, this this week alone, I've rewatched all of uh, the Indiana Jones 
because a new one is coming up, right? So I just want to see, um, mm-hmm. was the last one really that bad? Because I remember watching uh, Crystal Skull and was like, oh, terrible. But I watched Readers, then Temple, and then um, Last Crusade, and then uh, Crystal Skull. Uh, not not um, that one go, you know, over different days. Uh, actually, it's not that bad compared to the other ones, which is just that of nostalgia, our youth, you know, that colored it like, oh, Raiders is the best and Temple was good. No, they're not. They're the same quality as Kingdom's um, Crystal Skull. Just that uh, some magic is lost because of CGI. Yeah, uh, I'll, I'm not sure if... Okay, let's say I enjoy Raiders a lot, but uh, seeing it the last time on... Uh, on uh, HD, this I don't know. <laughs> it's a bit too clear, so some magic is lost. Okay, what else do I like? Ah, my goodness. Okay, I have to say that um, pop fiction is a very important one. Mm. Yeah, because it changed. It's a great movie. It's a great movie. It's got so many different stories in it, and it's, it's kind of changed the structure of movies in a way. Um, it broke the formula, even though now the formula is back, so we have um, you know, beginning, middle, end which is quite unfortunate because of bloody Marvel movies, which I enjoy a lot as well because the entertainment. <laughs> Let's say the last one. Um, oh, no, I don't know. I don't know. It feels like an ambush question. Like, I, I really love uh, all of the Indiana Jones movies, so I feel like they count as individual ones. Um, yeah, do. I also, yeah, I'm, I'm a huge fan of Raiders, but for some reason, The Last Crusade really gets me for for whatever reason. I don't know if it's that Sean Connery is also in it or <laughs> what have you. No, it is. Um, the, the partnership was so good. The father-son relationship, that was fantastic. Mm-hmm. And um, Henry Sr. showing Henry Jr. what it can be done with an umbrella. That was, that was brilliant. <laughs> and yeah, no, okay, that one is quite... Yeah, wait. Now thinking about it, yeah, Last Crusade over, over Raiders. And of course, the young... Um, What's his name? River Phoenix was in it as well at the beginning. But now let's think of the third movie for this. I don't know. Okay. Um, I grew up watching a lot of uh, Cantonese movies from Hong Kong. Mm-hmm. Uh, not so much the um, the action ones. I mean, they are great to look at. It's the comedies. But the comedies don't really work um, because they are so, uh, you know, they're they all designed for that language. So you translate it, it doesn't work. Until Stephen Chow became his own director and made those two movies. The first one being Shaolin Soccer. You don't have to understand a word of Cantonese for it to work. And of course, Kung Fu Hustle. Mm. You don't have to know what they're saying. You know, like the scene, uh, the landlady, the landlady with the, you know, um, the cigarette dangling up from her the corner of her mouth, of her lips. He suddenly appearing between the two gangsters at the back of the car. And she just looked at them, doing the Bruce Lee look, you know, with the thumbs down, kind of fingers, uh, cracking her fingers, putting fear into those gangsters. That was a fantastic piece of, um, of comedy cinema. And then you have Chase as well, with the landlady, and you know, they became uh, Bugs Bunny. No, not Bugs Bunny. Um, like, what's that? The Coyote and Roadrunner. In human form, that was so that was funny. You've not seen this, just go YouTube it, look for the, uh, the, the, the segments. They're really funny. So I have to say, uh, yeah, uh, Kung Fu Hustle would be that third movie. 
Cool. I'll have to check that out. And actually, yeah, you guys just reminded me. Yeah, I need to probably rewatch the. Uh, I haven't seen the Indiana Jones ones in ages, so <laughs> definitely gonna check those out again for before the new one. But uh, cool. No, thank you so much for you know for share for sharing that. I know it took you a little while to like think think of the three three movies, but I think like the Jenny's point, you gave us even more than three because you know each of the Indiana Jones ones counts as as its own movie. But uh, yeah, thank you so much, Shen Lee, for. You know, coming as a guest today, really, really enjoyed, you know, getting to know more about you, about your story, um, the artwork, the causes that you that you, um, you know, kind of push forward with, uh, with with your artwork and, um, you know, lo- love uh, and love your honesty and everything, you know, and, and, and how you how do you express yourself both um, verbally and through the artwork as well, because I think it, it conveys you know so much. So. Uh, real pleasure having you. Thank you so much uh, for joining us as a guest. And I hope you have a, a wonderful day and a wonderful weekend. You too, guys. And wait, it's still Friday, right? Friday afternoon. Have a great For us, Friday. it's still Friday. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Take care, Chen Lee. And thank you to everyone else that was here uh, that joined us. And also to the folks that came up to speak. Appreciate that. I hope you all have a great day and a great weekend. Bye, everyone. Bye.